Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. And I'm James Cordy. <laughs> yes, we got James Cordy joining us today because we are live at Vartech 2022. Hey! Oh, hi! We have a nice crowd here in the house. We've turned a little marketing session here into an actual podcast episode. Yes, we have. Why do content once when you can get two things out of it? Right. Too. Yes. So, so today we're talking about, uh, it's this, we call this the VARS Free Guide to Marketing and Content Creation. And basically a lot of this is built around stuff that we asked of you, our audience. Uh, we asked all the folks that were going to be here to give us some information about what they want to get out of marketing, what they want to learn, what they want to know. And we've got some marketing experts up here to ask. Most of you got Cordy, the marketing expert, up here yeah. to ask. And me and Dean will fill in when we can. We've been talking so much this show as, as it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. going to hand it over to Cordy and let yeah. him go. He's, he hasn't talked enough in this show, so we're going to let him do most of that. <laughs> so, all right, folks, it's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. So let's let's get into it here. We don't need to spend a lot of time explaining yep. who we are, what we do. Right. Uh, so again, before we you know, when we set this up and we got some attendees initially registered for this session, uh, James sent out a, a survey to everyone, and I think we got what forty responses mm -hmm. from uh, the people that were planning to attend. And basically, we asked a bunch of questions about your current situation with marketing. What are you currently doing? What's your team look like? What do you think marketing's for? And then we basically asked you to say, hey, what do you want out of the session? What do you want to get from us? What do you expect us to tell you? What, do you, what are you here for, essentially? So I want to start by kind of running through some of the, the responses. We'll get into some of the basic stuff first to explain kind of the situation you guys are in, and then we'll take a deeper dive into your needs and requests. So to start off here, one of the questions that we asked was, are you running currently running paid social ads? So whether that was Google Ads, whether that was on you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever kind of social media you're using, it was an even 50-50 split. 20 of the respondents said yes, they were running those paid social ads, 20 said no. Uh, we asked about your marketing team size. Overwhelmingly, most of the responses came in somewhere between one to three people on your marketing team. Figure that kind of checks out. It's probably a good reason why you want to be here because you probably have a small marketing team. Want to learn a little bit more about what you can do with that team. And then finally, uh, we, we asked this question a statement basically and asked you to gauge it you know, on, a, on a scale of your agree to disagree kind of scale. We asked marketing is or should be critical to revenue generation in a business. 75% of you said that you agree or strongly agree. And there were basically three types of responses that came out of this. One of them said it was mostly for new customers because we also asked an open field question like, you know, tell us, explain your response. Some of you said it was mostly for new customers, uh, brand awareness, and there were a few others that seemed to kind of really get it in the sense that we think, you know, you get it as far as how marketing should be portrayed. So I want to start right there and, and ask James and Dean, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys make of this, of these responses as far as team size, as far as, you know, whether they're using social ads and what they think marketing, how it's tied to revenue generation. What do we get from that? What did we learn from this? I was unsurprised by the team sizes. That's about what I expected, right? Especially for folks that are signing up to hear about low to you know free strategies and tools and things like that. I figure these are people who are you know trying to stretch a small team or a team of one, as you know we ran into in some cases. What really did surprise me was the amount of people running paid advertising. I'm, I'm curious to know if the people in the room, if you don't mind raising your hand, who of you in the room is running paid ads or has in the last 12 months? Okay, so about roughly half as well. We did find um, that Google advertising was the number one. Again, unsurprisingly, um, maybe we'll dive into that, but in case we don't, in my experience, I've not been the biggest fan of Google ads. Uh, we haven't had a ton of success with them. They're bot-ridden, um, that's low quality, they're low quality traffic. We haven't been the biggest fans of that moving forward. Um, but we'll have some, I think, good recommendations for what we have seen some success with. And to John's point, you know, what's marketing meant for? I think it really depends on the type of business you have, right? My general feeling for people like you and businesses like Blue Star is that I don't expect a direct response to most of our marketing. Now, there are exceptions. 
Like when I send out a survey, I'm expecting a direct response, meaning I want you to get the email, read the email, click the call to action and complete something. But when we're talking about enterprise technology, in some cases that has longer, or most cases that has longer sales cycle, I'm not expecting my marketing to do that same work, right? I'm not expecting for a prospect or even someone who's never heard of my business to go from totally business unaware to I'm gonna make a purchase having seen one ad, right? So I'll wrap this up by saying, in my opinion, in the context of our industry, a lot of times what marketing should be doing is making people aware of your business, of your existence, right? But also what problems you solve. Put one other way, if you were to walk into a room of 20,000 people who fit your um, demographic, your target audience, your target market, after you would run an ad, let's just talk about paid ad for advertising for a moment, and they were to say, have you heard of Blue Star and do you know what they do? I would hope that they would say, yes, I do. I know who Blue Star is, I know what they do. And if and when they enter a buying cycle that we're the answer for, they know where to find us. We're making our sales team's lives easier because people know who we are. So well, it was kind of verbose. You know, sir? <laughs> That's how I get that. No, I think it was dead on. You know, it's interesting that, you know, a couple of these things when you pull it out, interesting to see what, how, what, what transpires here. So I agree with you. I was comforted by the fact that 50% of you are actually into digital marketing. That's awesome, right? You want to be there. You want to be utilizing the tool. But like you, Cordy, I was a little bit surprised on how heavy it was on increasing uh, your business or brand. Right? Like, like increasing the brand. I guess I'm getting kind of hung up on that because to me, I don't know, unless you're, it's, when I think of brand marketing, I'm thinking Nike, I'm thinking, or Nike, or I'm thinking Coca-Cola and stuff like that. It's when I put my, I used to work for a reseller and when I put that hat on, branding really wasn't a really, I mean, it was a, it was a secondary or tertiary thing that I would, I was more interested in the prospect and the lead gen from that. And so I think kind of maybe where you're going, Cordy, or where I was thinking, you know, of this is, you know, if you're going to spend the dollars in the digital marketing, go after, have that solution sell in there so that you're getting actual prospects to, to react to you. Then you can give them branding, right? You know, it, but it's, it's solving that solution or fi finding the people that you need to solve that solution for. That's what I would be spending the money on to go after that. So convert prospects into buyers was 38%. So while that's not strong you know, or, or not weak, um, I was thinking, my gosh, that might be a little bit higher uh, in, in there. Anyway, you know, a couple thoughts there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there were a couple of interesting little call-outs I wanted to give of a few of the responses, the ones I felt like kind of were in the vein of understanding what we kind of get at when it comes to marketing. So there were three responses in particular that I really liked uh, that, that seemed to kind of just not necessarily get it, but at least think about it the same way we sort of think about it. So one said, you have to know your customers. What they want to hear, need to hear, how they hear it, how they see it and won't see it, growing organically is key to business. Another marketing is huge and is one of the main ways I bring in clients and grow business. It sparks interest and starts conversations. And the last one, marketing generates demand, sales generates clients, and the services guarantees the active and profitable perform permanence of clients. I like that one. I'm aligned with that one. That was one of my favorite ones there too, yeah. So that, that was the stuff I felt like, you know, all right, like I'm liking that we're getting these responses because again, I feel like people are coming here saying, hey, we want a little help. But I also feel like a lot of you understand what you're supposed to try to get out of marketing, what it's hopefully going to bring to you and your business as well. Uh, any more thoughts that you had on that on this part? Think I'm good for now. A lot okay. of more thoughts, but I'll hold on to them for a second. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, they might just be a part two of this we do back in the in the studio at some point. All right. Well, let's get to the the really the heart of this though, because again, we we reached out to you. We asked, what do you want to get out of this? What questions do you have? What are your expectations for a session about marketing from marketing folks? And we really want to get into some of those specific responses that you gave us and, and just kind of dive into some of these and help you out here a little bit. Uh, so there was really three main themes that I feel like I came across from your responses about what you expected to get out of, of this session. One was marketing on a budget. Totally get it. Um, you know, a lot of you may be SMB. Uh, you know, a lot of you, again, may have very small teams. You may not have a, a strong marketing budget devoted to this kind of stuff. So you're trying to figure out, hey, how can I do this on a dime? Uh, free, low cost, and new tips, resources, tactics. So you're asking like, hey, I'm just curious about what do you guys recommend? What's some stuff we can do? What are some things you've tried out, some platforms you use that you recommend that we go out there and use as well? And the last was better content creation, which again, you know, this is a session that was supposed to be about content as well. So it made sense that you want to want some help with creating that content. 
Uh, so let's let's start there. And James, I know you went through all these responses. There's a lot of them that you kind of called out and really were interested in addressing. So let's get into it. Give us some of the ones that you want to talk about. Sure. I might need you to help me along the way. I'm sure. Feed me the other ones. But we'll start with marketing <laughs> on a budget. You know, we, and by we, I mean the team up here, we've been working with partners like you guys, value-added resellers, independent software vendors, hybrid businesses for a number of years, five, six years, on largely vendor-funded marketing campaigns. And one of the things we run into, not all of the time, but a majority of the time, is people feeling like we're asking them to limit their potential market. They believe, and in some cases it's true, that their solutions are horizontal across a number of industries, right? But what I find, especially when marketing on a budget, which is what we're addressing here, is purposefully limiting that market. Deciding, like I said a moment ago, if the goal is for people to say, yes, I've heard of that business, and yes, I know what problems they solve, Trying to achieve that with an addressable market of 200,000 end users, end user organizations, is going to be tricky. And not just, well, it's not tricky, it's costly. To achieve that same goal with 20,000 end user organizations is very achievable. You can reach on a, on a platform like Facebook, um, TikTok's probably not the right place for us, but even LinkedIn, a couple thousand dollars on the paid side can reach 20,000 people. Three or $4,000 can reach 20,000 people four or five times a piece with four or five different pieces of creative. And by that, I mean advertising. So one of my biggest, and that's just on the paid side, we'll, we'll kind of get to the organic side as well, but one of the best ways to make a budget stretch and to be more effective all at once is purposefully limiting who you're targeting. That is obviously, well, I should say, from my opinion, that's by market. Right? So Kevin, I see you in the front here. Automotive is your focus, but let's just say it was automotive and four or five other uh, industries. It would make sense to choose one and say, we're gonna go after automotive. Our messaging is gonna be tailored to automotive. And we know, because this is what the ad platforms will do for you, you it will tell you before you start running the ads, you have an audience of 22,000 people. You're gonna you know, reach one to 4,000 people per day it will give you an idea of what your reach is gonna be and what your frequency is gonna be, which means of those 22K, how many times are people on average gonna see my advertising? So I think point made on the paid side, um, on the organic side, marketing on a budget, John kind of alluded to this already, content is the name of the game. And it's tricky because it requires consistency and it requires dedication, you know, being consistent in creating. Um, and one thing I think that it's important to say is people don't come, they don't log into LinkedIn, they don't log into Facebook to just hear about our products, right? They also want to hear about our products if we can truly solve their problems, but we have to be thinking a little bit more broadly about the people that we want to reach, what else do they care about? How can we get their attention is the simplest way to say it. Step one is get their attention. And right now, and this is one of the things you kind of, everyone is up against, Blue Star is up against, is a ton of content out there. Everyone is in sessions like this having some guy like me going, you guys gotta create content. <laughs> and so people do it, right? But they don't do it at the level that, that matters. And it's, again, it's not easy. And I, I would like to dive into, and the best way that I'll know to talk about it is to give examples of what we're starting to do and how we determined not only what kinds of content, are we gonna do videos or images or text posts or all of the above, but what should we create and why? And I think that's the most important part, right? You're gonna hear about people, you're gonna hear people talk about strategies and tactics. And those terms get thrown out a lot and they get misconstrued sometimes, but they're really important to understand, which is the strategy is what should we create and why? That's a question we had to ask ourselves recently. We kind of started to revamp our content strategy to say, people like you all in the room, what could we create that you all are gonna care about? And so I'll give you this example. What we had been trying to do, and if I can be candid, had kind of been failing at for a number of years was, okay, our audience are technologists across industries, across technology types, so what should we create to get their attention? Technology content, right? We're gonna to try to educate you on the technologies you all are experts on. Even just saying that out loud and maybe you're hearing it, you're going, well, who's, who's gonna do that for me? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, I'm not a point of sale or an ADC expert. I can't teach you what you don't know about technology. So what we sat back and thought was, what could we create? What could we publish that is worthy of your attention that you can't get anywhere else? And it's a big question, right? It really is, because it's, it's not easy to do. And I'll tell you exactly what we did. And it's, it's one pillar, and it's still early. And by pillar, I mean 
What are our themes? What are the things that we want each content to fall into buckets, so to speak? And the one that we really just started experimenting with was data-driven articles. So one of the things that John and I um, have come to believe after years and years again of, of dealing with uh, organizations like yours is that people talk to a customer, right? A few customers, a, a handful or two of customers over the course of a year. But what if we could go talk to a hundred of your prospective customers, people that look like potential um, you know, customers of yours, whether it be in retail or supply chain or whatever the case is, ask them questions that you all would want the answers to. In essence, doing market research on your behalf. And it has cost us time, and we have a small telemarketing team that calls out to these business owners and incentivizes them to answer our questions. And then we take that data and we create reports that have headlines like, we spoke to 102 retail business owners and asked them what their number one technology problem is. Here's what they said. I don't know if any of you in this room have seen that stuff. And quick shout out, um, Blue Star Nation is the name of our site. It's nation.bluestarinc.com where we publish these things. But that was where we went, is we can go and do market research on behalf of you so you don't have to spend that money. You don't have to go visit 100 customers, but it would be high value to you. It would get your attention. Does that help us sell more barcode scanners? Not directly, right? But if you guys are listening to us, if you're paying attention to us because we're adding value for you, it gives us the opportunity to talk about ourselves some of the time. And even if we don't talk about ourselves, you're gonna know who Blue Star is. You guys know what we do because we have your attention, because you're consuming our content. So again, hopefully that makes some sense. Um, you know, I'm gonna pass it over to you and take a breath there. Yep, no, yeah, no worries. So when I think about marketing on a budget, I, I think back to my days when I was the marketing director, sales director for a reseller. And one of the things that we would leverage is partnerships, right? And I know you heard us talking a lot about partnerships on the stage today uh, and whatnot. I am a firm believer of ecosystems and building out ecosystems and leveraging those ecosystems. So the reseller I worked for was small. We were a 15 to 20 person uh, team, uh, I'm sorry, total company size, you know, depending on how good the year was. And we had to leverage our partners in order to get some very budgeted marketing out there. I'll give you a use case. What we would do is we, we got into the fold of developing case studies. So we were a, fall, or a small production company. We leveraged our relationships with bigger software development companies. We started developing use cases and case studies with them that we would publish, that they would publish in their ecosystems, and we would promote the hell out of them as best as we possibly could uh, to get into their ecosystem and others. So what we would start doing as well, what we started doing as a company is we started tapping into point of sale data that was relevant to the digital signage on menu boards. Uh, and so great, so we did a case study on it. It was with Crystal Restaurants, which is one of the larger chains down here in the South. Uh, and through that, we were able to amplify it and get more business from other people in that ecosystem that were looking to do the same thing. So I, I would, I'm always a proponent of leveraging your partnerships as best as you can. Now, when you get into the hardware manufacturers, if you know the speak, and here's the, here's the golden phrase, MDF. You're looking for MDF. You know, when I was a reseller, I didn't really understand the speak of marketing at these, at these larger organizations. But MDF stands for Marketing Development Funds. These are slushes of money that manufacturers have that they have the discretion to spend on. If you develop a relationship with that partner, you can now start leveraging those dollars. Hey, I would love to do a marketing campaign in my area you know, highlighting your solution, your software, you know, through your MDF fund, can you help me? Because, you know, Cordy just talked about a three, $4,000 maybe campaign, and I know maybe some of you are cringing a little bit, like, dude, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even have $3,000. Well, get your partner ecosystem involved so that you can do that. Final thing I'll throw in there is I love free marketing, press releases, stuff like that. I, they still work, you know. I know it's a little bit old school, but if you develop the content, yes, what Cordy was talking about was a little bit sophisticated, absolutely dead on what you should be doing. But even just a simple press release about a good news story or you know something to get the word out there so that you can get it, you can share it on social, try to amplify it through your ecosystem, the vendors tagging, vendors tagging partners along the way. These are some ideas right to get some of that free stuff going yep getting other people involved is always a great oh idea. i love it yeah yeah, yeah.
You know, I'll just add in here also, when Dean just mentioned the idea of, you know, some of the more antiquated types of marketing, you mentioned telemarketing a moment ago. Yeah, right. Most people probably think telemarketing, there's nothing in telemarketing. Who picks up the phone anymore? You know, we all <laughs> get that number on our cell phone that we don't recognize or comes up unknown or spam or something. They're like, nope, not taking that call. Believe it or not, surprising amount of people do still take phone calls and will actually answer questions. Now granted, you know, a lot of times like for our surveys, we're incentivizing them a little bit. We might offer them a gift card or something, you know. But they don't know that before they pick up. Exactly, they don't know it before they pick up. So they're still picking up that phone. They're willing to have a conversation. So it may seem antiquated, but it's out there. The, Real quickly, ahead. don't lose your train of thought. Sure. Direct mail, believe it or not, is making a little bit of a comeback as well. Yep. There are certain industries out there, and you guys, probably some of you sell into them, liquor stores, things like this. They're not attached to their computers all day answering emails like I am, <laughs> but they, they answer their, or they look at their mail every day because they're business owners, right? They got bills coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one thing I would also uh, add to this on the whole marketing on a budget side of things is that uh, another nice thing about doing what Cordy mentioned earlier about you know, picking specific targets, picking specific markets, picking specific types of customers or industries, is that it makes it a little bit easier to pivot your marketing dollars also if something's not working. Mm. So if you're only putting two or $3,000 into, I wanna go after you know, automotive in particular, I wanna go after pharmacies in particular, I wanna go after a certain type of retail, ice cream parlors for some reason. But your market for that's probably a lot smaller, especially if you're doing something regional. So it probably isn't gonna cost you quite as much to reach them. And if you start doing it, especially on some platforms like LinkedIn, for instance, you can very quickly start tracking, engaging what's happening there. And you'll notice very quickly if it's working or not. You'll see if you're getting a lot of people just scrolling by, seeing an ad, but not actually clicking through, or they're clicking through, but they're not taking the action you would desire of them. You can see that quickly, and then you can pivot. You can say, all right, let's turn this off. Let's move on. I want to shift over my dollars over somewhere else. So we did get a question of what's the best ROI, right? That's one of the right. questions that came in. Okay we get it there's all these different types of, of, of ways in the which we can market but what's the best ROI so we should all maybe come up with a, a quick answer on that part of my answer is going to be well it kind of depends on the audience that you're going yeah. after and how they I respond mean, yeah. and how they respond because we have one of the things that we do at Blue Star, I think, very, very well from a marketing perspective is we'll come up with a campaign idea. We think we've got it nailed, right? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna run this ad and this social media, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We launch. Two days later, it's like, whoa, shit, this isn't working quite the way we thought it would. Pivot. You got to get out. It's not working. You got to go to a different realm. And oftentimes, maybe we'll shift over to email or something like that, which, by the way, is still very effective. But what are some, What are your thoughts on some, maybe some ROI stuff here, Cordy? I'm going to throw it yeah, Go ahead, John. Just third-party emails. Yeah. I know it's not always the cheapest route. depends on the market. But I know for us, for a lot of stuff we've done, Anytime I get the opportunity to find a third-party email that is directed to a specific audience or a specific type of person, you know, I'll give you a weird example. We did a, a marketing campaign with somebody who wanted to aim their efforts at uh, grocery, not as grocery stores, um, like convenience stores. Convenience stores about selling lottery tickets, that sell lottery tickets. So they had a solution that was all about tracking lottery tickets, which was not a thing that I thought was that big of an issue, but apparently it is. Scratch-offs, mind you, too. Not the pre-printed ones, scratch-offs. And we basically found a C-Store, like a C-Store decisions or some kind of C-Store mailing list, uh, you know, something I'd never heard of, but had a pretty good subscriber base, sent an e-blast through them about some content we created on this topic and got a boatload of downloads. Just plenty of people were like, yes, I want to download this. I'm interested in it. Granted, it was clearly a topic they were interested in because it was probably a, an issue that they had a problem with that no one had ever really said, hey, we can help you solve this. But it also, again, we found exactly the market we wanted to find by mailing them through an actual newsletter that these folks are signed up to and get on a regular basis. So that's one of my best recommendations there. I'll, I'll use my coin phrase, which is <laughs> borrowing the credibility of another organization exactly. with their own audience. Right, Cindy, I see you in the audience. We've been doing this together for a number of years as well. Let me say this, and hopefully you guys come with me on this. If you're, I said this slightly differently earlier, but if you're, if you're expected ROI on marketing activities, is a direct path from marketing or ad rather to add to cart sale you're most often going to be disappointed most of you that have done it are probably like i already know this <laughs> i've seen it and, and we've seen it you know hundreds of thousands of dollars spent on stuff like this but and dean this is kind of what you were saying earlier we, we were disagreeing even though i think that you thought that we weren't but here's where i'll bridge the gap yeah 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 I don't believe the expectation for most paid digital marketing should be a direct line to sales. Mm -hmm. Yes, it should, it should conclude in sales, but it's not going to happen on first touch. It's not going to happen necessarily on third, fourth, fifth touch. 
But one thing we've been doing for a number of years, and there's gonna be caveats here, but this is, this is an important piece, content marketing, specifically gated content marketing, which means, and this is what John was alluding to, we go out and market what we call eBooks. They're PDFs about solving a problem. It's not a product brochure, it is five tips on how to better track lottery, um, lottery tickets in your convenience store. And in order to get that content, you have to give us your contact details. You're, and believe me, this sounds crazy because all of you in the room are like, I'd never do this, but we still got a hundred people to yeah. do it. Email address, first name, last name, phone number, company name, job title, and in some cases, an answer to a qualifying question. How soon, for a point of sale or ADC, how soon are you looking to solve this problem? One to three months, six to 12 months, a year or more. Not, not in the market, so you can kind of, you know, uh, prioritize your follow-up. Because what we have found, again, on years and years of doing content marketing is, Hey, ROI, we got 100 downloads. But those 100 people aren't ready for your sales team to call them. In fact, those 100 people, when they filled out that form and hit uh, download, didn't even necessarily process that there was a company who wants to sell them something on the other end, which is both the blessing and the curse, right? They go, ooh, there's content and it's relevant to me. Give that to me. Here's my phone number, my email. Believe it or not, we get real phone numbers and emails and we have also closed business from doing this. And we have you know, money, our partners have money in the bank to prove it. But if the, again, even there, if the expectation is, Holy smokes, I got 75 ebook downloads. I'm about to close 75 deals. That's not um, an appropriate expectation either. So if you're looking, if you're looking to feel good about money spent versus tangible results, content marketing is a great way. And if you have a hungry sales team or a smart marketing team to follow up on this type of lead, it's also a great strategy. So in my mind, you're either going down that path which again, it's kind of what you were alluding to earlier. I love that, right? It feels good to know we spent these, this money and look, our database has 60 new contacts in it. And that is a good thing. But I also think you could be doing both of these things. You could be doing that and creating, you know, some warm leads, warm prospects. And you could also be separately saying, okay, now this other advertising we're going to do, whether it be paid or, or organic, is just meant for people to know who the heck we are. I'll tell you a story from my past. Seven years back, I worked on some Procter & Gamble business at an ad agency. Specifically, I was working on a Downey's business. And the CMO at P&G, whoever he was at that point, had a goal that Downey was going to achieve two billion US household impressions in that year. It must have been 2016 or something like that. And the only thing they wanted to achieve was that people knew, people like me and five to 10 years younger, knew what the heck Downey did. Young kids had no idea what, uh, young kids, younger people had no idea what fabric conditioner was. They know what the stuff was that washed their clothes. They thought Downey washed their clothes. They didn't know that it, whatever the heck Downey's supposed to do, protects your clothes from, <laughs> Pilling and this, that, and the other thing. So that was the only message. They did Twitter, they did Facebook, they wanted to reach two billion people, not to convert them into buyers, just to tell them who the heck Downey is and what problem they solve. Knowing that if people understood that, they would become buyers, right? So um, just kind of wanted to clarify that. John, I want to get into some super tactical yeah, stuff in a second here. I would be remiss not to go into uh, just a, a good recommendation I have for you guys on the LinkedIn side of things. Oh, yeah. Show of hands, who in here does experiments at all with LinkedIn from like a business development or lead generation standpoint? Okay. Good job. Pretty good number. So we experiment with it a lot, um, both through paid, a lot of paid advertising, but also more recently, we've really focused on it from an organic standpoint. So my advice to you guys, I'm going to run it down the list and I'll make it quick. You can deliberately build an audience of prospects on LinkedIn from your personal account. So I know that it makes sense to people where it's like, well, shouldn't we be doing the marketing from the business account so we can build brand awareness for the business? Sure, especially if you're running paid advertising. You, run it, you have to run it from the business account. Um, but when it comes to building an audience, and I, I use the specific language, deliberately building an audience. I forget what the number is, but on a normal LinkedIn account, meaning one you don't pay for, I believe you can add 80 connections a day. And if you go on LinkedIn, and some of you probably know this, you go to the search bar, you can type in a business name. So let's just say we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, selling at a retail. You could go to Google and search top 200 retailers in the Charlotte area and get that list. One by one, you put there, you have someone, you could have a, um, you know, a, a, someone from your team doing this. I was gonna say intern, I don't wanna go there, but yes. Whoever could be in your account searching those companies. You find the company, you go to their people tab, Within the people tab, you can search job titles. You can find exactly the people you want to talk to and add them. 
And as long as you are, and what I would, what I would advise you on this front is just send a connection request. If you're going to add a note, which is sometimes a good idea, the one thing to tell them is, I am not going to pitch slap you. That's like a marketing term for, you guys know what I'm talking about. I am not going to immediately send you a DM. And I understand you guys are like, well, why can't I immediately send them a DM? My advice to you is this, if every day, and I know I don't do it every day, you guys aren't gonna do it every day, if consistently, over time, you're adding 30, 40, let's just say you're adding 50 connections a week, it's not gonna take long before you have a few hundred relevant connections in your geographical area who look like your customers. And then what you start doing is what I said earlier. You start thinking of ways, and this is, this is difficult. What I'm saying is difficult, which is why so few companies do it well, right? We actually wrote a guide, I think it's called the Sales and, and Business Development Guide to Navigating LinkedIn. Again, it's at Blue Star Nation. It's like 2,300 words, it's got graphs and charts, it's very thorough, and it's a more thorough uh, version of what I'm explaining right now. But you add those people, and then you start adding value in your feed. So you don't jump into their DMs, you don't send them a message and have them go, oh gosh, this person just wants to sell me something, ignore. You start using your LinkedIn feed, your personal LinkedIn feed, as your way to explain to people what you do, right? But you're also gonna be doing what we do. You're gonna be sharing things that's relevant to them. Maybe videos, maybe infographics. Um, case studies or something case like studies. that. Case yeah. studies, yes. Things that, that help make your case for why the problems you solve are important to their business. Mm -hmm. Of why solving the problem is less painful than the status quo. The status quo is more painful than solving the problem. Um, now just one more super tactical thing. Oh, this is super important. And this is important that you guys hear this because I tell people, I post about this next point all the time. And I feel like people like and they comment and they go, yeah, and then they don't do it. <laughs> Here's what it is. We've been doing email marketing. I've been doing email marketing for a decade. I'm gonna connect some dots here. When we send out an email to our customer base, to our master list, it's 12,000, 13,000 people. It's a funnel, right? Only certain percentage of people open an email. And of those people, a very small, much smaller percentage click that email. That same phenomenon occurs when you're asking someone to leave a social network, to go to your YouTube channel and watch a video, to go to your website and read an article. So the buzzword right now in the marketing world is zero click content. The ad, this is the most important aspect of this, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you decide you're gonna focus. And that's another critical thing, focus on one. We're a big company, we have a lot of resources. Right now we are laser focused on just LinkedIn because we've played with Facebook, we've played with Twitter. Not, there's no value there, there's the most value at LinkedIn. So I would say focus on one. Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, zero click content, sorry. <laughs> zero click content means that you don't ask someone to leave. And the point I was making is those platforms don't want their users to leave because they're not making ad dollars when someone clicks to go to your website. The more people scroll their feed, the more ad dollars are ringing up. So what that means for you is when you create an awesome video, you've got a customer case study you want people to see, don't get 2,000 impressions, get 12 clicks, and get two people to watch the video. Upload the video to LinkedIn. There's a 10 minute limit. Upload the video there. So that when you see that 2,000 impressions, not that everyone's gonna watch the whole thing, but you've got 1,000 people that maybe saw 25, 30 seconds of your video. So zero click content. Same thing with articles. We write 3,000 word articles with you know, imagery and quotes and all kinds of stuff. But when we post it to our feed on LinkedIn, we try to tell you the really important stuff right there. Because if you don't click, we still want you to get value. So that's my, my advice to you all. If LinkedIn is a place where you believe your customers might be, and we have a lot of experience in this. You can reach police chiefs on LinkedIn. You can reach clinicians on LinkedIn. You can reach educators. You can reach people in supply chain. There are very few, there are some, but there are very few industries that are super low indexing on LinkedIn. Again, they exist, but experiment with it. It gives you the ability from your personal account to go and build a very targeted group of people who are then exposed to your content. So that's my advice there. Have you noticed that James is a little passionate about uh, digital marketing? <laughs> uh, which is why we bring him on to these particular podcasts because we let him just kind of steal the show and, and Dean and I sit back and just watch what happens here. Uh, you know, I'll add one extra quick thing there, which because it's something else I feel like you kind of uh, rail about from time to time too, which is the idea stuff. of not just sharing posts. So not just watching, seeing something that your company shared or something that someone else shared and just resharing it and expecting that to be like some kind of organic thing because the face or the, the LinkedIn algorithm doesn't really 
uh, treat that very fairly. It actually doesn't really think that's a big deal. Instead, it's all more about the engagement part of things. So a lot of the, what we talk about doing a lot is having folks in your company engage with an original post. So if you are posting from your company account or if you are making a, a great post from your personal account and you want folks from your company to be involved in that too, encourage them and you do this yourself with other people's posts to rather than reshare the content and say like, this is great, check this out, comment on that post. Get a conversation started there. Tag someone else in your comment. Add some, some additional insights and thoughts there because that's what really starts kind of an organic chain growing in LinkedIn and that's what pushes stuff up a feed so that when the next person comes in and they log in and they go to the top of their feed, you know, it's never sorted by, you know, you can sort by when the post came in, but for most people it's that algorithmic thing where it's just giving you the content they think you want to see that's getting the most engagement at the top. That's gonna push it up there. If there's a bunch of people commenting, there's a huge conversation going on. I'm sure you've encountered this. You're scrolling through your feed on LinkedIn, happens on Facebook and other sites too. And the posts that you see a lot are the ones where there are three, 400 comments, you know, maybe yep. just 10, 15 comments. And you're probably, that's the ones you click and open up and start reading some of those comments. If you're like me, you may get angry about half the comments you see. Hopefully you're not diving too much into that stuff. But ideally what's happening is you're seeing some interesting comments and you want to get on. You're like, I, I, it's that FOMO thing. I don't want to miss out. I want to keep, I want to keep having this conversation. I want to be part of this conversation. That's what drives those posts all the way up to the top and gets more people engaging with them. I'm, I'm going to build on what you said and take it in a slightly different direction as well. Something I see, I have a friend who recently got into solar sales. He's brand new to it, and I've been trying to advise him on the best way to use LinkedIn, what I just told you all. Go build a deliberate audience of people in your, in your area and start explaining to them, answering the questions that you know are out there. And instead, what he's doing is finding articles and reposting them. And no one's clicking them, and they're not getting the takeaway. So an entire content strategy could be formed around curating other people's content. But... Don't just go share the link, because the same thing I just explained is gonna happen. No one's gonna click it, no one's gonna get anything from it. Go to the link, consume it yourself, and then even if it's a text post, believe it or not, on LinkedIn specifically, plain text posts, no images, no video, if they're high value and if they get the engagement John was talking about, perform extremely well. I follow a bunch of what they call creators these days, people who publish content, and some of the biggest people with 100,000 followers are, are pretty locked in on plain, plain text posts. But I would advise go and use a tool like Canva or get someone else on your team who's a little bit visually inclined to use a tool like Canva, which is a free design tool. Go and read that article, make three notes, three, four bullet points, and then create a little slideshow out of that and go post that. And then in the comment, leave the link. Hey, for the full article, click here. And I don't know if you guys picked up, I said in the comments. It's silly and this isn't, LinkedIn doesn't publish this information anyway, but this is the kind of thing that people who analyze these kinds of things have come back and said, which is a post that has a link in the post itself is a little bit, a little bit less favorably looked upon by the algorithm. Because again, like I said, LinkedIn doesn't really want you to leave. That's not how they make their money. We still need people to leave in some cases, right? You can't get every business objective accomplished on the platform, but if you can add value on the platform, people may be compelled to go dig through the comments and go, I am interested to, to learn a little bit more. So curate good content that it doesn't have to be yours. It's great to create original content, but I understand because we do it, that's a big time commitment. Find good stuff, repackage it, and put that in your feed. And like I said, if, if you want to link to it, great. Just wanted to add that. Yeah, that's good. Hey, I want to quickly, um, you know, I know one of the big things that people asked about getting out of this session, we've hinted at a lot of this content creation. We've talked a lot about like ebooks, we've talked about obviously maybe posts, but Courtney, tell us a little bit more about, you know, maybe the video side of things. I know you're big on video, social media. Is, is driven a lot by video these days. I mean, it is. And again, especially if you're, if you're starting to appeal to younger audiences who are taking over companies or are running new companies, new entrepreneurs that you're trying to get in touch with, you know, any, anybody who's, you know, millennial, Gen Z, they're very video driven. It's it's just what they expect, it's what social media has taught them, it's what they, what they are engaged in, it's what they tend to stop and check out. So how do you recommend with video content? How do you recommend a strategy around that? Oh, John, I'm gonna go deep again, you guys, oh, no. so you gotta <laughs> roll with me here. I've got two recommendations as it relates to video, and there are any number of ways you could go, but the two that I would recommend is video case studies. Now, it's a heavy lift, right? The, Mark Ryan here that's sitting in the front, uh, front row is our videographer at Blue Star. He and I went to New York City recently, funded by one of our vendors on behalf of one of our customers. 
So to Dean's point, MDF is a magic word. Um, we traveled, we were you know, paid to be there, shot a video with an end customer of one of our customers. So the end customer was there, um, our customer, the software slash hardware reseller was there, and Marco and I were there. We got B-roll of the uh, solution in action, and we got both sides of the party saying, here's how this came together. This was the issue, this was the discovery process, this is how we implemented, these were the results. Something like that, you only really need one. You get one of those great videos and you've got a long edit, you've got a medium edit, you've got a 30 second edit. You can get a lot of new business off of that stuff. Cindy, we've done this as well. You can get a lot of new business off of one of those videos. Again, not inexpensive, but get the vendors involved. Get your favorite vendor involved and say, hey, we've got a great customer who invited us out or said they were willing for us to go to their facility, which would be my recommendation. That way you can see you know, the solution working. Get them on camera speaking, um, huge. Again, you don't need to do a bunch, I mean, if you can get a bunch of them, get a bunch of them. If you can get one of them, it's gonna be gold for you. And the other thing, you know, try to make this as concise as I can, the Tech Connect podcast is Blue Star's podcast. It serves a couple of purposes. It creates content for us. It creates long form content, an hour long podcast like this one. It creates short form content, uh, minute long clips that we share to our LinkedIn feed. Again, the golden nuggets. If you're not gonna go watch it, we know all of you aren't gonna go listen to the whole podcast, but some of you might go listen to the 60 second golden nugget clip. Creating a podcast not only is an ongoing strategy for having something to put in your feed, it's also a way for you to for you to learn from your ideal customer. So I, I totally stole this next idea from, I don't even remember who at this point, I just steal all the good ideas because why wouldn't you do that? The, the framework for a podcast is create and name the podcast that your ideal customer would be honored to be on. I'll say that again. So if it were me and I was starting a podcast tomorrow and I wanted to feature folks like you on it, I would call it the B2B IT Experts Podcast. And I'd call you and say, hey, I'd love to have you as a featured guest on my podcast. It's called the B2B IT Experts. And you're gonna go, oh, I'm a B2B. Yes, you all are B2B IT Experts. And what I'm gonna learn from you is what you care about, where you learn online, and all of the things I need to know to be a better marketer to all of you, right? So you follow that same framework. Go and create a podcast where you can talk to your ideal customers as featured guests. You can also use that content because guess who can learn from your ideal customers? Other ideal customers of yours. <laughs> so again, it's a heavy lift, right? But a lot of people hear us say things like this and they go, gosh, we don't have all the gear, we don't have all the equipment. You don't need all mm -hmm. of that stuff. You need a Zoom room and a screen recorder. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To create that content. It doesn't need to be highly produced. It needs to be high value information. So those are my two. There's, again, a million ways you could go on content creation, video specifically, but case studies, podcasts. I know it sounds like a heavy lift, and a lot of this stuff is. Good marketing takes effort, right? No, but I agree with you in the sense that video in this case does not have to be a heavy lift. Let's throw out some statistics here. Tweets with video get 10x more engagement than those without. 54% of people want to see more video content. Obviously, I have a love for video. I came out of video production. 69% of people prefer video over text when learning about a product or service. Let's stop right there. One of the, some of the best videos that I think that you can post and create in a guerrilla fashion, right? Guerrilla marketing is like how-to videos. You've heard a lot about it. That's why we've got our whole unbox series that you're seeing more and more of. It's, it's more guerrilla type marketing around solutions. You know, that's product oriented, but what is stopping you from just recording a quick you know, use case about something that you just installed. Well, one of the things that's probably stopping is you're like, well, I don't want to give up the ghost to my competition and let them know what we're doing. Forget about that. What you're trying to do is amplify your message to your audience. Don't worry about your, your competition. Let them, let them try to catch up to you. Yeah. All you need to do is produce the, the video, get the video out there because people, especially younger generations, consume information video, period. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you a clear example. And I like to joke about this on the podcast a lot, but when we started this podcast, I'm a podcast guy. I love listening to podcasts. I stick them in my ear and listen to audio podcasts. That's my thing. So when we started this, and Dean's like, all right, we got to get all the cameras set up in the studio and stuff. I'm like, cameras? We're, we're going to do video? Like, I don't have a face for video, for one thing. <laughs> and for another, podcasts are audio, right? 
But no, we were like, no, we gotta do these as videos, and so we have some content for our YouTube channel, and I know you were big on that too, like we gotta have that video content. I'm like, all right, fine. Now, I'll be honest, out of the gate, especially the first year or so of this podcast, we were consistently getting a lot more views on the videos than we were audio downloads. This is about even these days. You know, we're, we're, we've built an audience, you know, in the, the audio part only, but the video still gets a lot. And again, you get those clips, you get stuff you can share, you get stuff people will stumble across. It's great stuff also for our partners, you know, every, anybody or, you know, anybody who comes on our podcast, when they're done, we give them, hey, here's some embeddable stuff that you can use. Here's a link to the podcast. Here's all this stuff that you can go out and promote and use on your social feeds as well. And they like to do that. Generates extra you know, views for us and for them. It's, it's all good stuff. So I, I can attest, yes, I'm, I'm sold on the, on the aspect of video. It's, it's a great way to, to generate some extra attention. And a lot of people, a lot of people do honestly really like to see and want video. So even if you think yourself, nah. Video is really not that important, right? Trust me, it is. There's a lot of people that are into it. Another really quick recommendation and then a fast story. So appearing on podcasts, that's a hack to get everything that you want without having to do all the work. You know, a little bit tricky maybe to find them, but another great way to create content uh, that features you. I think one of the beautiful things about video and, and sharing and being consistent on social media is that people start to feel like they know you even when they don't. They, they see your personality, they know your personality. Um, I've very recently, we've, I've been involved on sharing on LinkedIn since 2014. I don't know if any of you are deep on LinkedIn like I am or not, but back when articles, writing articles on LinkedIn was a big thing. Now you write an article, it gets you know, four impressions in one click or, or whatever. They're very, very low because they want the content in the feed now. Um, what the heck, where was I going with this, John? Totally lost my train of thought. Oh, people knowing you. People knowing you. This is, yes, I'm sorry. Um, My brain's all over the place right now. This is an important point. Just because, and this is on the organic and the paid side, equally important on both ends, just because someone doesn't like a post, doesn't comment on a post, and doesn't share a post, doesn't mean that they aren't consuming the content. And it's like, ah, I'm supposed to take your word for it. I have felt it. I walked in on the first day here at Vartech. And one of our executives from Europe walked up to me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'm your biggest follower on LinkedIn. I have a lot to learn from you. You inspire me. It was the best compliment I've gotten in a year. And I was like, holy smokes. And then he walked away and I go, that dude's never liked one of my posts in his life. Never once. And he wasn't the only one. I had a guy I've never seen in my life turn around to me and tell me I was famous because of the Unbox videos, which right. quite frankly, it's a little much. But it's cool, <laughs> right? Like people feel like they know you because they can, especially if you are genuine and you, you know, you do show your personality, which, you know, I'm, an, I'm the, the oldest possible millennial you can be, but that's still kind of my DNA about online. Being on video doesn't make me feel comfortable. I do a lot of it now, so I'm getting more comfortable, but... If you get over that, it really is an unlock and people will feel over time, because again, none of this stuff happens overnight, but it does happen over a year, over a couple of years, where someone will, you'll get a new customer who will go, or you'll say, how did you hear about us? Hopefully you're asking that question. That's another big thing. If you have a form on your website, add a field that says, how did you hear about us? No options, open field, huge, huge, huge learnings there. But people will tell you, oh, I've been following you on LinkedIn for two years and I, I consume your content. And they're gonna close faster too, because they already trust you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I'll, I'll, I'll just add on to that by saying, um, in addition, don't expect when you do make content that you're just going to like see the world open up all of a sudden. Just to your point, you know, yeah, that person might be following you but never engages. They still love everything you do. It just doesn't mean they're, they're leaving comments. Some people just don't do that. It's the same for the content you create. Again, with this podcast, when we started it, if we went out of the gate expecting like, yeah, we're going to have, you know, thousands of subscribers and, you know, all kinds of reviews on Apple Podcasts and people are going to be leaving comments and talking all about it. We would have given up after the first month. We would have seen those initial numbers and went, no, <laughs> And a lot of people do that. That is, that's why people don't succeed in these things sometimes because you, you put it out there and you just hear silence and crickets and you think to yourself, oh, no one likes it, no one cares. It just means not everybody takes that time to do that. You know, I, I've become a conscientious person with you know, telling people that I like that their content, you know, letting them know that I appreciate what they're putting out there. I'm someone now, because of my, you know, time in doing podcasts, I frequently go onto the podcast I love and leave a rating and review just to let them know, yes, someone's listening, someone likes your podcast. Because you just don't hear about it. And again, same as you, I came here, a couple of people approached me and said, hey, I love the podcast, I love what you guys do. I'm thinking, great, leave a comment for a change. <laughs> Give us a review, come on, just yeah. something. But you know, I, I got what I needed out of it. It tells me like, all right, people are listening, people actually do care, and I appreciate that. So, 
Anything else we want to add here? I feel like we kind of need to shift gears a little bit to kind of get into the end game here. But yeah. anything else you want to add? That we what missed? time do we have to get out of here? It's four o'clock. Four, like our four thirty is our official run out. Okay. But like, let's try to. Yeah. I want to squeeze in one quick thing. You can take it in whatever direction. It's okay. not about this at all. Someone on the survey said to us, "How do I go out and compete with Goliath companies in search engine marketing?" And they named a couple of big, huge companies. They can outbid us on everything. I don't know if that person's in the room or not, but probably a lot of you feel that. I just want to address this and it's very simple. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a huge waste of money. They're wasting a ton of money. They're also, I'm sure, bringing in some business, but they are wasting tons of money. Don't play that game with them. My advice, and I am, I'm a generalist when it comes to marketing. I have interest in, in, in knowledge everywhere in marketing, but I'm not an SEO expert. But what I would tell you is make sure Google My Business is together and make sure local keyword. That's where you're gonna win if you're gonna win in broad terms like barcode labeling or even like product specific stuff. If you've got someone looking for it, again, I'll use Charlotte, North Carolina, for you know the whatever device in Charlotte or this service in Charlotte, that's where you have a much better chance. Because if you're, if you're not showing up on the first page organically, you're not really showing up. 90-ish percent of the clicks happen there. And then the other bummer is, to the same point about the SEM, the first organic result is still this far down a desktop screen, right? Because all the paid searches are up there. But I just wanted to get that out very clearly. I would not play that game if I were in your shoes because it's it's a money-wasting game to play. Definitely. Is there a question up front? Which account should you uh, suggest we follow up? False cap and, and so on on LinkedIn. Follow up on what on LinkedIn? I open on LinkedIn. So if I... Look for your postcard uh, here. What was the account name? Just follow Blue Star. Follow Blue Star, Tim. Follow Blue Star US on LinkedIn, and uh, anything we do with the podcast will be there. We do have a, a Twitter account for the podcast, though, which I'll tell you about in a moment anyway. Got sir. What about to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator? LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I don't know much about it. Do you have any? We, we have some colleagues that have used it. It sounds like a great tool. I don't personally use it. Again, because I do feel like the opportunities organically to go out and search people, specific areas, jobs. If there is some big benefit you see on the paid side, I think it's worth a shot. I don't know if you have to commit for a year or if you can do it monthly, but I would suggest go at it organic first. Figure out what you're going to share and work on getting some signals, some kind of qualitative signals that what you're sharing is resonating and then maybe consider you know throwing some some gasoline on the fire and, and you know accelerating it but my advice would be stick with the organic for now okay anybody have like one or two maybe other quick questions before we wrap things up here no okay that's good that's fine uh, if you do have other thoughts, though, and I know we did not even come close to probably covering all the stuff people asked us to cover, one, yeah, feel free to check out, I think we got uh, quite a bit of good stuff, feel free to check out previous episodes. We've had Cordy on several times talking about all things marketing. You'll probably find some of the other answers that you might have been asking. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. Follow us on LinkedIn. Definitely follow James. He's the one who's always getting, putting good content out there about marketing and how to do marketing better. So someone I can definitely recommend you, you connect with. And then again, just you know, keep in touch with us at Blue Star. You know, we're always happy to share what we know. Follow that Blue Star Nation blog. Check it out when you get a chance. We're going to do a lot of uh, fun content there, and a lot of it's going to be about stuff to help you. A lot of it's going to be about marketing tips. We had travel tips, you know, you know, in, in the wake of uh, Martech coming up. So check that out as well. And I just want to also mention, as always, uh, we, we thank our, our Tech Connect members. You've met a lot of them here for supporting our show. We appreciate them, your support of the podcast. If you do have ideas for the podcast, if you're interested, if you're not already a listener and you want to start listening or you want to hear interesting stuff on there, um, if you when you when the show comes out, this particular episode will be out next Thursday or any episode you listen to, there's always a link in the show notes to drop ideas to us and tell us what do you want to hear about? What topics do you want? Is there an industry you want us to get into? Is there a guest you'd like to hear from? Is there a, a vendor, an ISV you'd like for us to bring on the show if possible? Are there questions we can ask end users on your behalf yeah, that exactly. you find value in? I need to know that so I can give you yep. guys what you need. Go to that link, leave those, leave that stuff for us. We'll figure out a way to do it. And just for doing it, just for leaving us an idea, we will send you a Tech Connect podcast t-shirt. I am wearing it right now. Wait, do you have one on? I'm self-promoting. It's the first time I've actually worn it on the show. It's soft. It's comfortable. It's awesome. It is. It's a comfy shirt. I love it. I like to wear it. So we'll give you one of those just for giving us an idea. And we may get a flood of them, and I'm fine with that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Last time I got a flood of them, we got some really good ideas that we use for the show. 
Uh, I mentioned if you want to stay in touch with us, obviously like and follow the pod uh, anywhere that you that you listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube on, on our Blue Star Inc. channel. Uh, but you know, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us anytime, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up. Usually we have a segment we call Value to the Bar, which is our way of kind of giving a takeaway to our bar audience. Isn't that been the whole thing? The whole yes, thing exactly. Yeah. This whole episode has been that, so we're basically going to skip that portion today. If you didn't get Fair value enough. out of this, I don't know what else to tell you at this point. <laughs> uh, so let's wrap up with our favorite fun little segment that we love to do at the end of every episode, which is What's Tech Connected with You? This is where we get to talk about something from the world of science, tech, innovation, business, just something that we are paying attention to, caught our eye, an article we were interested in, a gadget we're playing with. Uh, Dean, Corey, which one do you guys want to start? I got one for you. Lego releases its Dunder Mifflin (laughs) collaboration. Are you? Do you like Dunder Mifflin? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, like, Lego gets into everything, right? I mean, I started having like Lego. You know, so my daughter was like big into. Well, she still gets you know like a Harry Potter Legos and stuff like that. And then when I saw that come out, I'm like. "Hmm." They're playing to a little, a lot, yeah. you know, older audience at this point. I don't really have a lot around it. I was just like, you know, hey, the office is cool, and now you can get your own Lego set from the Dunder Mifflin office. Nice. And they get, of course, they've got all the characters right, and right. stuff like that. Put that in the shelf on, on my desk. Yeah. My yeah, 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 yeah. So you can do your short videos and do your own thing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just so, reenact the office yeah, yeah, yeah. and create your own. Is there anything Lego won't do at this point no, in time? There's not. There you go. I don't okay. like it. All right, Corey, what about you? I'm worried Dean was going to steal mine. So if any of you guys were in the general session yesterday when Dean was making his presentation, he showed uh, an online AI image generation tool called MidJourney. It's the coolest thing. Has anybody in the room seen it or played with it? So it's on something called Discord, which I had heard about for years and never really got involved. Just Google how to use MidJourney, and you're like, I'm not going to do this. You should do it. It's so cool. <laughs> it is so fun. It's a random. Once you get in, and it's totally free, I ended up paying for it because I was so obsessed with it. I kept giving it prompts. But what it is, is you type in slash imagine, and then it says prompt, and you can type in anything, literally anything. And in, it, in 60 seconds, a computer is going to generate an image. It can be a portrait of Bruce Lee on a postage stamp. That's one of the ones. I did so many strange things just to see what comes out. And it'll give you four options. And then you can select another one. And it'll, it can give you four more based on that one. Or it can do what's called an upscale. It is incredible. And the cool part is, I'll make this really quick, guys. Uh, when you're doing it in public, in these public channels, you see everyone else's artwork, too. The things the other people do are absolutely mind-blowing. I think there's like character artists and all kinds of really creative people in there doing awesome stuff. It's called Mid Journey. It's free to play with. It's a rabbit hole, I'll warn you, but it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we, so cool. when we discovered it, we spent like, I don't know, like half an hour in the studio just playing around with it for yeah. a while. And that was when we decided yeah. to include it as part of the general. And some process. of the things that it produces are a little weird. Oh, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like that doesn't get it quite right, and you right. get a chuckle out of that. But yeah. then you ask it to do a unicorn jumping a rainbow over a desert, and it's like photorealistic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. All right, I'll wrap things up here. So for me, uh, something just popped into my head when I was trying to figure out what what was tech connected with me today. Um, When I've been away, I've been FaceTiming with my wife and my son in the evenings, and uh, my son's about to turn five in a few days, and he's just at that wonderful, precocious stage where he's just absorbing so much info, learning stuff, and he's so fascinated by new things. Well. He asked me the other day, he says, Daddy, my, my birthday's coming up. You know, is there is there a store there on site? Is there a store where, where you're at? I was like, yeah, there's like a little store in the hotel. He's like, well, can you give me a video game before you come back? I was like, really? Uh, so he's he's totally become absorbed with video games. Not, you know, like overextending like, you know, massive amounts of time. But basically, at, at some point, I dusted off my old PlayStation 3. It's the last, like, you know, the latest iteration of video game system I even have. You know, I got to that point where I just had to stop playing video games for a while. And uh, I, I dusted it off, you know, I don't know, maybe like six months ago, and just tried out some games, and he saw it, and he was like, well, this is fascinating. So I got him a Lego Star Wars game. Ah, there you go. Because those are, those are very kid-friendly, easy to play. It was the first game he really kind of got into and started learning how to play. He loved it, he, and he's you know, a big Star Wars fan anyway, just became obsessed with playing it. And is better at it probably than I am already at this point. Is unlocked. That's where I was going to go. Are you playing against him already? Well, uh, he he doesn't like me to play against him. Like I'll pick oh, up the okay. controller and play. He's like, Daddy, put the controller down. I got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I, you know, I did actually get him another game for his birthday too. But it just it was that it just hit that whole nostalgia thing for me. I don't think I was playing games that young. It's, I don't know, probably like Atari at that point, even when I was five, if Atari was even out yet. But uh, you know, it, it just reminded me of my youth and like just spending you know time playing video games, getting absorbed in the cool narratives and stuff. And it's just that little bridge link I do. Some like, fathers would walk out on the baseball field and say, "Son, let's throw the ball. You're going to son, I fire let's play the PlayStation a video game. Three and right. let's play some Lego Star Wars." So. <laughs> Things have changed. It has, yes. Uh, the baseball thing just hasn't worked out yet. Yeah, right, right. So we'll get to that later. All right, that's what's second acting with us, folks. Uh, it's time for us to unplug. Until next time, uh, you know, try out some new marketing stuff. Try out some new content. Uh, great video. content wherever you can. Get some videos out there. And uh, buy a Lego set or something. Try out Midjourney. And, of course, as always, please stay connected. TechNet Podcast is brought to you by ELO. Enhance patient care everywhere that it matters. ELO offers touchscreen product solutions for a variety of healthcare applications, ranging from nurse stations and patient education to patient check-in and pharmacy check-out. Streamline healthcare administration and enhance the patient experience with ELO's versatile solutions. So obviously, if you're looking to build a continuum of care, touchscreen technology is pretty vital to that. You would think so, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what people are comfortable with, familiar with. Absolutely. Interactivity in that continuum is always a good thing. There you go. Exactly. So Eli's healthcare solutions include the M50 Android mobile computer, mm. O3 series medical grade monitors, large format signage, all-in-one touch computers, and much more. To learn more, visit Elo's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Bluestar account manager. TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Tough is easy. Tailored is critical. Oh, very nice. I like that. I do. When your customers are out to set a higher standard, they need a tablet that's not only rugged, but also smart and tailored to their way of working. One that doesn't force them to adjust their processes or goals to accommodate the limits of its own abilities. For Zebra, toughness isn't the end game. It's just the starting point. Ooh. Uh, Table stakes for a purpose that is far-reaching, high-achieving, and uniquely defined by them. Is this an ad or an inspirational speech for a speech? I'm team? a little inspired here right now. I know. Yes, this is awesome. Like, let's go, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should have been reading that in an entirely different voice. It's you know? your ruggedized tablet, yes. Yeah. Tough as easy, tailored as critical. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to help your customers power their job performance. Zebra, you can use that if you want. And career aspirations to their highest level with a purpose-built Zebra tablet that's perfectly matched and personally customized to work their way. To learn more, review Zebra's rugged tablet portfolio, including the ET series, which are perfect for healthcare, and use their selector tool by checking out the link in the show notes.